We're going to start today's episode with a very, very, very special announcement and a couple of sweet messages from our friends. Happy birthday, Shushu. Love, Sada. Hi, Shireen. This is Rada. Happy birthday. Love you so much. You're so important to me. Have a great day. Happy birthday, beautiful Shushu. It's Sarah. Love you so much. Happy birthday, Shushu. It's Roy. Love you. Miss you so very much. I hope you have an awesome day today, Shireen. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, gal pal Shireen. From Chris. And Zell. Okay, bye. Happy birthday, Shushu. I love you, and when I see you soon in December, inshallah, we're going to have to go get some chicken nuggets together. Happy birthday to our Shakespeare-loving queen. Happy birthday, Shushu. We love you so, so much. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Happy 27. Welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the conversational podcast with Middle Eastern flair. My name is Nood, and my co-host is Shireen. And today, we're going to be talking about the term Balik with our very special guest, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Noor. Hi, Shu. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, Shushu, do you want to lead us into what we're talking about today? Sure. Um, well, actually, before we do that, Sada, are there, is there anything that you want the audience to know about you? Sure. First of all, as you guys know, Shireen just said my name, Sada, which is very uncommon for me to hear these days because now I have to refer to myself as Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it easier, right? Yep. Um, basically, just a small summary of who I am, blah, blah, blah. I've known Nude and Shireen for like the longest time. Um, we're all kind of spread out everywhere, but mm -hmm. we try to maintain contact. Um, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering, and I have a master's degree in engineering management. I currently work in the auto industry, and I'm living in Michigan. So yes, I would have to describe myself as a Michigander, <laughs> and that is a term for people like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know where that came from or the background, but it is a thing. And I'm excited to be here. Yay! Yay. So basically, you are a boss, and uh, you. <laughs> both of my co-hosts today are in STEM, and they're women in STEM, and they're women of color in STEM, so, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super impressed by both of you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so... Today, we're talking about a word that sends shivers up and down the Arab girl's spine. Balik. Yeah. And you know, um, I actually didn't know what this word meant. You remember when you like WhatsApped it to me a couple of weeks ago and I said, what is that? Like, what does that yes. mean? Um, and it's because I've never heard an Iraqi person say it. Um, what do you say instead? I mean... What you know, you'll be you'll be minding your business, genuinely staying your lane at any event, and someone will come to you and they'll say, Inshallah Ashufich XYZ, doing whatever the hell the person at the event is doing. Like at this point, it could be a funeral and they say, Inshallah Shufich. 
And that would be the only time where I would say, inshallah, and walk away. I know, right? <laughs> so we don't we don't really use the same word that you guys do, but the 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 meaning, the meaning is, the, is same. the same. Yeah, it's exactly the right. same. Yeah. So what does that mean to you guys? We should just go through and and what it means to each of us. Like wh- Well, I can I can paint a really nice picture for mm. you here. Yeah. Please. So you're paint at a it. wedding or an engagement party. <laughs> <laughs> and there are people you haven't seen in like a gazillion years and one of them walks up to you and it's like oh my god I remember you when you were a baby oh my god look you've grown and all this stuff and then they say yalla belik habiti and you're like um okay hold on thank you but um during this time that you know you've known me since I was like three years old and now a lot has changed like do mm-hmm. you want to know anything about me you know like my recent <laughs> accomplishments or are you just here to tell me belik and like make me feel like oh yeah you, hey uh you haven't really accomplished much because you don't have someone with you right now and it's like okay yeah i mean so I, under- I mean i understand it's a word people say because they feel obligated in certain social settings to say it but it sometimes comes across as like there's something missing in your life i hope you find it soon <laughs> yeah you know and for our non-arabic speakers it's basically them saying well if god is willing this will be you. And you're standing there like, okay, thanks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, for me, it's um, it's the same situation. Every wedding I've been to, I, I'll hear the Iraqi equivalent of like, of, you know, inshallah, shufich, like zoja, whatever. Um, oh my God. <laughs> and, but every time it's, it feels so belittling. Like, yeah. Shireen, you are a failure until you meet this this like expectation of marriage mm-hmm. and then you will be a failure until you're a mother and then you'll be a failure mm-hmm. as a mother because you're not raising your children arab enough oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, in a, there's no escaping but my um real problem with it is the kind of competition it tries to sow in between yep. The groups of women. So I'm at so I'm at someone's wedding, and I love that person. But they're trying mm-hmm. to like make me envious. They're trying yes. to sow yeah. those seeds, and I hate that because I'm like I'm just here trying to be happy for this person I love. What are you doing? Yep. Um, also, I think I think that what's problematic is that this starts much younger than marriageable age. True. I think the first time I was told Balik at a wedding, I was like. 13 or 14 oh my god <laughs> me too actually. and uh, right <laughs> yeah. right and i was at a cousin's wedding and every aunt and every uncle was like oh, like i can't wait to see you as a bride and because i'm the big mouthed asshole that i am i was like well good luck waiting for the rest of your life mother <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah, um, you re- you really showed them by getting married approximately ten years later. Right, <laughs> being, being the, one of the first one of us to get married too. Oh my god, it still it still upset me as a child. Where it was like, why are you not looking forward to my high school graduation? Why are mm-hmm. you not looking forward to my university admission? Why is all of that being skipped over? And the only thing that you are looking forward to seeing me as is a bride. You know what? And the the problem is, is that the high school graduation, the the 
you know, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, PhD for those of us who have it, they are things that you are supposed to strive for as an Arab woman. But at the same time, mm-hmm. Arabs go out of their way to make you feel like those achievements are fake. Like they're just empty. Right. And so every time checklist on their, you know, exactly. it's like, okay, every uh, time I graduate and then have, you know, get married, have kids. And that's basically mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time I've gotten a degree, I felt very blah about it. I've been like, okay. Like, I can't even <laughs> congratulate myself anymore because I'm just like, I mean, okay, thanks for this piece of paper. And I was like, oh my God, you have a master's in biomedical engineering. And I'm like, it's chill. Uh, it's not what Arabs want. I mean, it's what they want, but it's almost like they want it as a little trophy for me to put on my shelf on right. the way to the big goal right. of a man. Someone. Yes. Well, it's not just to put on the shelf. It's also to add to your long list of accomplishments when your family members are talking about you to men you have never met and probably don't want to meet. <laughs> yes. But that's the thing. It's like like they want you to have all of these degrees and it costs a lot of money and it takes up a lot of time for us to get these degrees. But then at the same time, you know, and then men have the gall to be like, I need a woman who's educated. It would be cool if she's like a housewife, though. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, just choose, dude. She didn't go and get these degrees because she's not passionate about her job. Right. And she her, her goal in life is to stay at home and kind of cook for you and clean for you. And raise your raise your little kids. My God. <laughs> so as devil's advocate, I will I'm gonna kill you, Nuke. <laughs> I <laughs> well, no, regarding the education thing and the mm. raising children thing, there is a lot of value to children being raised by educated parents, even if they are stay-at-home parents, mm-hmm. because they're able to teach them a lot in the home. They're able to open their mind a lot in the home. However, it's very unfair to expect that a woman be educated for the sole purpose of then giving that education to more people. That's insane. What's the point? Why can't you use it and share it? Why can't we do both of those things? Yes, definitely. I think, though, you know, we don't we're not studying for that purpose or like uh, excelling in our life for that purpose but I mean obviously it's a plus and then at the end of the day though it's like up to the woman if she chooses to have kids and wants to stay home and raise you know her children and quit you know working full-time for a period of time while her kids grow up that's totally fine but being basically you know hey you're supposed to stay at home with your kids and you should yeah. raise them that's uh, that's not your decision kind of thing you know what no. I'm saying so it's the supposed to supposed to anything is bothersome. You're supposed yes. to do this. You're supposed to do no, that. It's Why? To what- Why are we supposed to? Right, right. It's the expectation, right? Why is this the expectation? Why is this the bar for women? And there is no answer for that. A lot of the bars for women in our culture and a lot of things, you know, where they tell us like, inshallah, you're doing X, Y, Z. A lot of those achievements um, were just put in place out of a desire to control women. That's like a lot of our culture, unfortunately, is rooted in that. Um, So maybe partly, but I I think that I can come up with a few more reasons why I suspect parents might want their children to be married. Um, So on my grandchildren. Yeah, that's a big one. They love grandchildren. They really do. Um, So, yeah. okay. so there's control. There's definitely control aspect to it. Uh, There's grandchildren. But then there's also the I don't know, like a fear, I think, 
Hmm. on a lot of parents' behalf. Like, what will happen to you if I'm dead and you're alone? I don't know. Um, Maybe I'll work, make an income. Yeah, maybe I'll support myself. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. Is this a novel from 1884? Why do they? (laughs) We have jobs. Like, our parents and the people around us know that we have jobs because we genuinely come from a culture where it would be unacceptable to not be this educated, this ambitious and so on, right? right? We we got those good traits from the culture. And so it would be mm-hmm. just bananas for them to be like, what would you do? Well, I don't know. Uh, probably keep going to work and supporting myself <laughs> and climbing the career ladder and making social connections along the way. It's almost like they want you to have blinders on, ignore everything around you and make that man just like, that's the goal. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm like, if, mm-hmm. like at best, it's a dim bulb at the end of the tunnel and I need them to <laughs> calm down. <laughs> and there's a lot of bulbs along the way that you can, you know, either light up or shatter depending on what you feel like doing. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's, it's so belittling. And, you know, people are so nosy about like love lives in particular that it yeah. genuinely, Oof. it makes you feel like, Nothing else you ever do will matter. And you will it's never do that. Them. It's also like fitting yourself in this time frame where each person ha- has their own thing going on in their life. Like, for example, someone might have been ready for marriage at the age of 20, which is great for them. But then, mm-hmm. like, why should I fit into this, like, time frame? Mm-hmm. I had other goals and objectives, and Shireen mm-hmm. has other goals and objectives. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe my time is like the age of 32 why is that so unusual to some people Uh, we were talking about this yesterday i was like it's the schedule it's the schedule (laughs) like by the age of 30 you should find you you should have your degree you should have a good job and you should have settled down and you're ready for kids whatever wait shouldn't you be pregnant at 30 like if you're not pregnant at 30 haven't you failed just massively Pretty much, yes. Because, like, you know, first of all, your 20s is a confusing time as it is. The worst! It's, it is! It's, we were just saying really, that. It really is. So trying to, like, find a life partner, which, by the way, like, is it's not, like, my like my end goal at the end of the day. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to settle. If it comes along the way and there's an amazing guy out there, mm-hmm. great. But I'm mm-hmm. not trying to check off a, a checklist here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go on Amazon of the dating world and whatever. <laughs> Put in my specifications. Okay, boom. Yeah, he's right there. No, this Purchase. is not how it works. Yes, <laughs> this is not how it works. And people treat it like it's that easy. Like I don't, my goal, and I'm sure all of you, we don't want to settle. Like when it comes along and it feels right, it'll happen. But it might so, not happen within that time frame. So I actually have a response to this because I am the married one here. I've been married for four years. I've been with my partner for nine. And I was not looking for a life partner when he kind of fell into my life. And even after we got married, according to, I don't know, 40% of the people in my extended family, I did it wrong anyway, so it doesn't count. Wait, how did you do it wrong? Yeah. How? Oh, he's... He's Catholic? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. We can't win. We can't win. Yeah. So not only, like, we need to go out there, Amazon this, Amazon Prime yeah. this guy to our house. Not even Amazon. We got to prime this guy to our house. But he better be, like, <laughs> Arab and Muslim and respectable and maybe with, like, a graduate degree and making a bunch of money. Who is this guy? I hate it when people are like, you just need to put yourself out there. Where? Do men yeah. congregate <laughs> in one spot? 
<laughs> they're acting like good men go to one cafe oh, yeah, and yeah, I'm just yeah. specifically not going there. <laughs> Shireen, stop avoiding the cafe with the men. My God. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm, no, no, wait. With the men that your parents will approve of. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> and then here's the thing. And a man, a man that is ideal to um, the standards set forth by Arab culture, is that the ideal man for us as individuals? And they don't no, think about that. No, not necessarily, no. That's a good question. So I'm actually pretty curious to know what your personal... Actually, before I even ask that, are you ready for a life partner right now? Who are you asking? Both of you. Well, for me, like I said, it honestly depends. I mean, if I find the right person and he's great to me and I, you know, I'm feeling the connection, there's this chemistry, I can't imagine my life without him, then yes. But for for me now to answer like, oh, are you ready? And I don't even know who this person is. No, because this stuff develops after you've known the person for a while. You've been comfortable mm-hmm. enough with him. You know everything mm-hmm. about him, his family, how he treats his family. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff combined together makes you feel like, hey, I might be ready to spend my life with this person. But to answer this, mm-hmm. like just out of nowhere, am I ready? I don't know. I mean, until it happens, it happens, right? Yeah, very fair. Shushu? Um. I'll just give a simpler answer. I think yes, uh, just because I think I'm at a point in my life where I'm very like, emotionally intelligent and mature, and so I would make a good life partner for someone. But as Sada is saying- I think they both make excellent life partners. Thank you. As, but as Sada is saying, that is, it's very circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Of course. Just because, just because I would make a good life partner for someone doesn't mean they would make a good life partner exactly. for me. That's my point, Yes. We are ready. So that actually, but you know, like we're not just picking anyone off the street, right? Like, exactly. So that actually does lead me into my next question, which is what is the list of specifications that you would ideally type into Amazon in order to purchase (laughs) the perfect husband? (laughs) Wow. Do you got all day? (laughs) Uh, We got like three minutes per person. Go. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm boycotting Amazon. How dare you? <laughs> so that leads me into my first specification, actually. He should be socialist. Speaking of boycotting Amazon. Um, That's big. Politics is big. Politics is a really big one to me. Um, I don't care about religion. I don't care about race. I do care about politics. They have to be um, as liberal uh, or mm-hmm. more liberal than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like really very like far on the left. So... Mm-hmm. That one's really important to me. Um, I have a thing about financial stability, and people get really pissed when I say this, but we are living in very uncertain times where the only thing that ensures your health and safety is money. And so I would ideally be looking for someone who can kind of like merge funds with me in a way that is actually impactful, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. I hear Um, you. And so that's for the safety of myself, my partner, future children, because of the world we live in. I'm not saying I like that because I think it's capitalist and disgusting, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, um, do you have a number that you think that you'd be comfortable with? You don't have to share. What do you mean a number? Like an age? No, like a salary. Oh, um, I would say like equal or slightly less or slightly more than my salary is fine, but I'm not going to spill my salary on this podcast. 
Um, Completely understandable. <laughs> yeah, but if they make like dramatically more, that's fine because I'm secure in myself not to be like, I can't believe this. I have to be the breadwinner because like people have different careers, people have different career paths, and that's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Um, and sometimes different companies pay different things. We could both be in mm-hmm. biotech and he could be making dramatically less, right? Um, mm-hmm. But ideally, not dramatically less, A, because if that person ends up being insecure, I don't have the emotional capacity for that. <laughs> and two, um, I do need it to merge with my salary in, like I said, an impactful way. Um, That's fair. Yep. So there's that. And um, I don't really care about sense of humor if we're going to go for personality. And I have told you that the reason I don't care about sense of humor is because I'm funny. Um, and <laughs> honestly, one on my list, he must have there a you it's in humor. But it is on mine is, too. I'm funny, so like one, I don't need that competition. Yeah, but what's the? Yes, you definitely are funny. You are one of the funniest mm-hmm. first people I've met. But at the same time, he must be able to I'm understand your jokes. Humor <laughs> and being funny are two different things. Because I know a lot of very serious people who find me hysterical who can't make uh, jokes themselves. No. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have to be good at being jokey. I'm good enough at being jokey. That's totally <laughs> fine. Um, so but you do but need him to get love it. That, but wait, wouldn't you love that witty banter back and forth? You know. So I separate. I separate wit from humor, though, because they do need to be witty. Hmm. You don't okay. have to be witty in a humorous way. Witty is just sharpness of mind. Definitely a plus. Though. Definitely a plus, but it's not like a make or break for me, you know. Yeah. Um, yes. So because the thing is, I don't mind serious people because at my core, I am serious. And after mm-hmm. years of beating myself up for that, I just kind of settled on it's not a bad thing to be. And so I have to it's extend not. that to other people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for I don't know. It's just it. You know, it's your standard stuff. Like you need to be trying to be a better person today than you were yesterday. If that is the path that you have your life on, I'll probably get along with you. That's fair. Um, and in terms of chemistry, how important do you think initial chemistry is? Nude, I'm a romance novelist. What are you asking me? Yeah. Okay, the so chemistry yeah. better be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but immediately or over time? Honestly, I don't have a preference uh, because as Sada was saying before, it happens when it happens. It doesn't yep. need to be immediate. Frankly, some of my closest friends, I probably felt like very little to no connection with them. But after hanging out a couple of times, I was like, oh, wait, we're like the same person. So <laughs> and it's because sometimes people are really afraid of like being rejected for who they are. So they'll like approach you with kind of a persona. And then Mm -hmm. the person you have chemistry with is when they're more relaxed. And that's fair. And that's okay because we all do it. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Very fair. Um, Okay, so Sada, a sense of humor is on your list or humor, like being funny. Yeah, definitely. And just like, you know, if I make a sarcastic remark or comment, like it would be nice for the person to actually understand it or not get offended by it. And you're uh, preaching to the choir, my God. Yeah, because sometimes, like, I'm not trying to offend you or say something, you know, that will hurt you. It's just funny, like, to me. And it's just, you know, I like, I expect the person to be, like, more easygoing. Because obviously, like, if Mm -hmm. you're, if I'm with you, I'm not trying to hurt you with my sarcasm. Like, yeah, play (laughs) play along with me here, please. (laughs) 
Oh, playing along is so valuable. Oh yeah, my God. like, you know what? I appreciate when someone hits me back with sarcasm. If I'm being sarcastic, please feel free to hit me back <laughs> with more sarcasm. And we can continue the dialogue back and forth. <laughs> I was telling Nur, I was telling Nur a couple of recordings ago that, you know, I spent so much of my life thinking that there was something fundamentally wrong with me because people would always call me mean until mm-hmm. I realized that I was just funny and people yeah, were people taking it really it. <laughs> because I'm so nice. Like I would die you for and, like I would die for a stranger in the street is how nice I am. But <laughs> I kind of have like a really I have like a sharp tongue and people are like, oh my God. And I'm just kind of like, okay, get a sense of humor. I think it's just because they're intimidated because not everyone, A, understands sarcasm and B, is able to like adjust to it. So I think that's why Mm -hmm. it sometimes comes across as mean, which is not true because you never intentionally want to hurt anyone with your words. It's just, you know, this is how you are. This is how you interact. Do you think that it's a matter of intelligence or a matter of emotional intelligence for people to understand the humor and sarcasm depends but for the most part i think it's emotional intelligence i also think it's about security yeah yeah Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if you're Mm -hmm. insecure you will take everything personally joke or not personal that's true yeah um okay do you have an industry and this question is for both of you again is there an industry that a partner would ideally be from in your mind and an industry that your partner would ideally be from in your parents' minds? Hmm. Interesting. Um, Well, for me, I personally don't really care um, Mm -hmm. because I don't know, like, uh, you know, I'm an engineer and I'm trying to like, if some, if my future partner was an engineer, that would be kind of cool too. But if not, then it really doesn't matter. And plus, Sometimes it's actually cool to have someone from a different um, industry because then it gives you some stuff to talk about and mm-hmm. like it's more diverse, you know, so like you can learn mm-hmm. from each other. There's mm-hmm. more to talk about, like I said. So personally, I don't care. And for my parents, I don't know if they would really care about that that much as long as someone's educated and has like a good enough income slash is stable in life. I don't think they would care mm-hmm. either. That's yeah. really interesting. My parents also wouldn't care. Again, it's about the stability. And what a lot of people have to realize is that this hour of obsession with like salary and stability really comes from the fact that all of our roots are in struggle. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, Because a lot of our, our, a lot of our countries are war torn in the process of being torn up by war, whatever's going on. And so we come from an unstable ancestry and that fear is injected mm-hmm. into us as children. And so we do become money focused because our parents think to like whatever our parents went through, whatever their parents went through, they're like, my child cannot go through this. Unacceptable. Yeah. So Very and luckily true. and you know what? Luckily, hopefully we'll never have to go through it because you know we can we're able to support ourselves. The partner exactly. isn't to support us, but more so like for our company, um, you know, just someone to have at the end but like it's not we're not dependent on a partner no but there's yeah. also there's also that you know um you know like i i got laid off at the beginning of the year yeah. from my old job would i still be able to live with a partner yes, I agree. yes yes right definitely yes 
So it is about security, but what, so I think a lot of people do think Arabs are very materialistic um, or money driven and people need to understand our history is wrought with struggle and instability. Yep. Um, So it's not really really all we're seeking. Yeah. It's not about being money hungry. It's just because we all have fear in our DNA. Um, As for me, what my, sorry, you were going to say? I was actually going to say trauma actually imprints on DNA and is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It it can be passed down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, it's true. Like, it's a very, very real thing. This isn't an imagined fear. This isn't a fear that our parents necessarily uh, put into our brains. It's not like we were growing up being told that if we weren't stable, we were going to die. It wasn't that. This is legitimate DNA imprinted fear. Yes. And I think about it too, like your your family, they want, you know, the best for you and they want you Mm -hmm. to succeed and they don't want to see you struggle, which kind of makes sense in a way, you know, like... What if someday something happens, they want to know you're okay and your partner is there for you in that kind of way. Yeah. And sometimes being there for you includes being there for you financially. Feminism or not, that's just the way it is. That's true. Because I would want to be there financially for my partner if he got laid off, for example. Me too. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's an equal thing. It's Yes. We're much of the West is no longer divided into gender roles, not necessarily because we've grown or awoken as a society, but out of pure necessity. It's impossible to survive on a single family income. Mm-hmm. And so those roles have had to be divided. I would argue that women have done a better job of acclimating to their new expectations than men have done. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Women, women are now more educated, making more money. They like Mm -hmm. nobody hit like nobody like, you know, hit pedal to the metal like women did when they got the opportunity. But not only do we now have more education and better jobs and larger incomes, we still do the vast majority. And I'm not talking about my own home life. Um, I think that Mike and I have gotten a pretty nice rhythm started in which we're equally responsible in and out of the home. Uh, But it was a struggle to get there because I think women are expected to do the role of childcare and everything in the home as well. And emotional labor. Yeah, everything. (laughs) Um, How do you feel that you guys are doing on that? What do you mean? Right now, you're both super, super busy. Uh, you have very, very full lives. You have plenty of hobbies. You are fully formed, three-dimensional, full-grown women. How do you think you would feel about the transition into a two-income household where, you know, you, you... How do you feel about the possibility of having to teach a man how to do laundry? <laughs> I want to answer this. I, Go wait, ahead. Actually, I forgot to answer one your first question, which is like, what field would would my ideal oh, man please. be in? Um, I I want to say something creative, but I also know that it's unfair to discount people based on their career because look at me. So, um, you know, like an engineer doesn't necessarily mean because like I'm creative as hell. I'm more of a creative than I am an mm-hmm. engineer. Yeah. So, um, but I, the creativity, I guess is a trait that's very, very important to me because I'm like deeply creative. And when people don't understand that, they just kind of see me as like, 
oh, she's, she gets like really absorbed in things and is ignoring me is what some people think. But a really creative person mm-hmm. would be like, no, she's in the zone. Don't touch her. Um, <laughs> answering your question for transitioning into a two-person household, I don't think it's except let's, – let's go back to that Amazon Prime list. <laughs> the man needs to be living as an adult. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will not teach men to do the very basics of living. If it's something wild, like only Shireen knows how to get this kind of stain out of this shirt, I will teach everybody. (laughs) But if it's something as basic as putting your shirt in the washing machine and pressing the right button, that's unacceptable. Where have you been? Where have you been? And like during your college time, did you never do laundry? Like literally, like (laughs) we have as a society, we have failed men by coddling them this much. Yes. Yes. Because they are capable. They are capable of doing all of these things. A man needs to be able to make, I'm not even going to say cook, but just like make a passable meal for himself. That's fine because I'm not a, I don't know how to cook that well, but like I still feed myself. I clean all Mm -hmm. the time. I do my own laundry. Nobody manages time like me while balancing freaking work. So if I'm, if I'm able to do it and I know other people who are able to do it, you know, unless there, unless there is some other circumstance, you know, like, you know, you have like an invisible illness or you have some kind of disability. If you are just mm-hmm. like a person like Shireen, there is mm-hmm. no excuse because then the only thing that's the only thing that is stopping you from doing it is just sheer laziness. And that's unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sada, are you on the same page? I mean, I don't, I personally wouldn't care showing someone. Like, I don't know what their circumstances in life are. Maybe they were like a little too spoiled, which whatever. We kind of, you know, we know how it is back home sometimes (laughs) with, Mm -hmm. with, you know, young, like boys and their parents and them being spoiled. Like, we grew up in Abu Dhabi, so we were pretty spoiled (laughs) ourselves, you know? But so yeah. like I don't blame the guy per se but at the same time it's like okay you had enough time to grow up I mean how old are we now I don't want to mm-hmm. this information <laughs> but oh yeah we know we do share this information we do? okay um, I'm 26, yes I'm 26 turning 27 in February I'm 26 turning 27 uh, on New Year's <laughs> yeah. I'm 26 turning 27 in December okay Okay, mm-hmm. so we're basically the same age. So by this point, you should have at least known the basics. Like just, you know, put your mm-hmm. put your clothes in the washer, turn it on, you know, <laughs> close it, put it in the dryer. We're good to go. Hang it. You know, like it, this, this is the thing. Your childhood does inform. What? The thing is, though, some men are not that like... I don't, they might take their clothes to the dry cleaners. I don't know. I mean, that's a waste of money. All I don't of know. <laughs> <laughs> Every item of clothing? <laughs> the dish dasha goes to the dry cleaners? <laughs> oh, shit. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Okay, so like basic, like cleaning up after themselves, being able to do the laundry if you need yeah. them to, taking turns, in-house chores. This is an important thing for a future partner to come into the relationship kind of already being aware yes, of. and just mm-hmm. not expecting the woman to just always pick up. I mean, like, yes, you have a full-time job. I have a full-time job. I'm all for equality here. Like, if I cooked, 
I'd like you to do the dishes. If I did laundry, like mm-hmm. you can fold the laundry. Like I think it should be a balance. I mm-hmm. like that balance, you know, that lifestyle. That's the yeah. thing. The thing the thing is the insistence like asking that a man come in with these life skills is not uh about shaming them for not having mm-hmm. it. It's about genuine if they don't, this is not an equal partnership. And that's a problem. Unless they're willing because to learn and do it. That as well. But I like you were saying, though, how long have they been independent adults? Yep. And so nobody taught me how to do a lot of those things. When I went off to college, I learned to become self-sufficient. Yeah. Leaving up. How many loads of clothing did you destroy? <laughs> Zero. Do you know who really? you're talking to? That's true. We're, I destroyed everything for months. I didn't, but I somehow always lose one pair of socks somewhere. Like I always end up with yeah, one yeah. sock. I don't know how, but it just yeah. happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's just, the machine screw. Yeah, I don't know where it goes. I mean, um, so yeah, so you know, it's just it's really about wanting equal partnership, but also wanting someone who went through the process of learning to become self sufficient. Mm-hmm. Okay. This leads me into the next question, which is what I really want to ask. If you say this kind of thing to your parents, like, I need a guy who knows how to do laundry and, like, be able to clean. Oh, my God. How do your mamas specifically respond? Oh, you're too picky. (laughs) (laughs) You are too picky. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you want an adult? Unbelievable. Mama, shoo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's like, Sarah, if you keep thinking this way, you'll never get anybody. You want him to do this and this and this. And I'm like, "Uh, no, this is pretty basic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. The bar is underground. The bar is so low. It's (laughs) underground. I mean, seriously, like this, like, you know, I have brothers. They know how to do this. Why can't I expect this from other guys? Exactly. Very fair. Um, would your mother accept your brothers not know how to do these things? I don't think so. No. I don't have brothers. I can't. I can't tell you. But I mean, if you, you can answer this question, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, just say it just say it (laughs) okay so I will be very straightforward here my brother and I I think were exceptionally spoiled Um, not only were we not you know made to do chores I personally was not permitted to do chores so when I was a kid I'd be like oh like can I help with the dishes or can I help with the cooking and because my parents had a hard time conceiving they were always like super worried about Mm -hmm. us so every time I was like, can I help with the dishes? My mom would freak out and be like, sakakin, sakakin, which means there's knives, there's knives. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super spoiled. And as a female person, I was expected to know how to do things, but wasn't taught how to do them. So I'm not good at them. Um, my brother, as a male person, was expected to do those things even less. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that. I mean, obviously, my brother still lives with my parents because we tend to stay with our parents um, until we're married. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I think uh, I think my brother is actually pretty comfortable with that. We have we're we're a very very close family, so 
he doesn't really have disagreements with my parents. They don't really nag him or bother him. Mm -hmm. And he does some of the chores to help my mom out because she's working. My dad has taken on a lot of the house chores now, like now in his retirement. Um, He does a lot of the cooking and cleaning as well. But in terms of is my brother entirely self-sufficient and will he be able to live on his own without a woman? I don't think so, but I cannot speak for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some, thing- some things are habits, though, too. Like maybe he would, mm-hmm. he'd struggle at the start, but then he'll find a way around it. You know, I mean, we always I mean, all of us went through this at the beginning. You know, I didn't know how to do laundry at the beginning when I first started college. But then somehow, you know, you pick it up, you learn. So maybe yeah. for men, it's a little later on in life, especially if they're still at home and stuff like that. But, you know, eventually you get there. Like, can I tell you that I'd be the perfect housewife right now? Probably not. I mean, I like <laughs> I clean and stuff, but like to the degree of how my mom does it. No, I'm not going to I'm not like, you know, I, I don't use that one finger and swipe it across and see if there's dust everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm clean, but not like that clean. (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, so can... Oh, sorry, Shushu, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, my mom uh, would tell me that I have the right to expect that, shockingly. Expect what? That is actually surprising. Expect what? That's actually what? Uh, Expect a man who knows how to do laundry and clean. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like someone our age should. Yeah, yeah, I know, and and she seems to be aware of that. The thing about my mom is that, like, for all the traditional Iraqi upbringing, she's very um, open to mm-hmm. seeing the outside and listening to me when I say this is wrong. This thing that we believe, this thing that we do, is wrong. Mm-hmm. So she's very open to it. But also for a lot of women, after a lifetime of exhaustion, I'm not saying specifically for my mom, but after mm-hmm. a lifetime of exhaustion in a lot of Middle Eastern households, maybe they do want their daughters to have a different kind of setup at home. Yeah, my mom would love someone. I mean, I know this from my own pa- like my parents. My dad is really helpful around like the kitchen. He cooks sometimes if my mom's not feeling it. You know, she doesn't feel like it. He'll cook. If, you know, she's cleaning, he does the dishes, uh, he does something else around the house. So I grew up in an environment where, yes, there was a balance. And I would love to have that in my life, too, because I grew up seeing that. It wasn't just always my mom, my mom, especially after we moved to the U.S. Like, it was different back home <laughs> because we had help, right? But yeah. you know, now that we're here and everyone's independent and all this stuff, like you're expected to do these things on your own, there's a lot. I see it now. And Nude, like you said, now your dad's doing that stuff too. So we we are like aware of it. So it, yes, it, it's possible. We can find it. I don't think it's too picky. Yeah, Here's I think the it's thing possible. That- Wait, what are you going to say, Nude? I didn't see it before I got married. <laughs> um, in fact, I very, very honestly, like since this is a, you know, open honesty podcast, I didn't see anybody besides the hired help do housework, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that my mom kind of just sat around. That's absolutely not the case. My mom is incredible. And she spent so much time with us as kids. But she focused primarily on mothering and not on housewifing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because most of the, you know, cooking, cleaning, dishes, laundry, um, all of those things were done by someone else. So I personally have had a really rough transition into things. And that's made it a rough transition for Mike as well, because we were both pretty spoiled. And now, 
you know, we have millennial incomes and a mortgage and we kind of look at each other and we're like, how the fuck do people do this? Like, what is this? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have so something. I have something I want to point out. You know, our mothers all um, think that we deserve the absolute best, yeah. right? They think we deserve a man who is able to be self-sufficient and a man who, you know, makes a steady income and a man who's educated. But sometimes I feel for some of the things such as being self-sufficient, knowing how to do laundry and cleaning, they would be willing mm-hmm. to put that to the back burner because the priority is marriage over finding that mm-hmm. perfect match. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, yes. So that's why I said the whole picky thing. Yeah, because it's, it's like yeah. you can't, they can't have it both ways. They can't call us yeah. picky and at the same time want the best for us. I mean, I'm not saying that this is like an absolute requirement, like, oh my God, I'll turn someone away if they don't know how to do something like, I don't know, wash or something. I mean, there there has to be qualities that override that particular quality, but it's like, yes, I kind of do expect it, but if it's not there, like, I'm not going to shun you away or something. The thing is with talking about the ideal man is that he is the ideal man. I think we all recognize Mm -hmm. that in reality, people are so much more complex than just these like few traits that we're discussing. But it's Mm -hmm. not so much about wanting those traits in a real man. It's about being shamed for wanting them. Yeah. Right. Being shamed for for wanting the best for yourself, whether or not that's who the person ends up being. But But having as a woman having an expectation and wanting to strive for a certain kind of partnership, we are shamed for all the time. I actually have a question um, in response to that. Mm. Do you think that it's because our mothers think we're too picky? Or do you think it's because our mothers have very low standards for what they believe men are capable of? Oh, good question. I think it's both. Me too. Because if they have low standards, then we look picky. Yes. Right? Exactly. It goes exactly. I mean, I've heard this from both my parents, especially my dad, who used to like hammer this home as a kid. Mm -hmm. Men are animals. Men (laughs) are animals. Men are animals. And like this was coming from my dad, who would like look me in my eight year old eyes and be like, men are animals. Learn to punch. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Good Lord. I'm, oh my God. Legit. (laughs) My dad would always be like, if a man comes anywhere near you, you punch him in the face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this leads okay, me into something else, though. And that's um, yes. the, the big expectation and the big goal for us to strive to is marriage. But they raise us to not know how to communicate with men, interact with men, approach men. They teach us to fear men. Boom. And Boom. when you're yes. older, they say, where's the man? And you're like, you told me I wasn't allowed to talk to them. No, no, wait, 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 though. Up to a certain age. Yeah, up to a certain age, but all of the social skills that we needed prior to yes. talk to men, are, where are they? Where are they? They literally, the Arab um, culture wants to have its cake and eat it too, and it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I once got in yeah. trouble at school <laughs> for sharing a bag of chips with a boy. What? Yeah. I got yelled at. But Is this at your old school? No, it was at Shoifat. What? What? By whom? Who A yelled? supervisor. Supervisor was walking by. This boy had his hand in my bag of chips, which is not a euphemism. But was it Mr. Khaled? Because he somehow always managed to find something. So it was someone completely innocent. <laughs> oh. 
like a brother to me and I got yelled at. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Don't interact with men. You're like 16. Oh my God. But where are my social skills supposed (laughs) to come from? Now I'm socially inept. What do I do about it? Right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So question. Um, When you were younger, what were you told about dating? Like, what did you understand of dating? How did you learn about dating? And what did you think about dating? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what I understood from it is that you're too young. And somehow, even if you had a romantic interest in someone, you are just friends. I'm like, uh, no, I wouldn't call this a friendship because what does it mean for my other guy friends? If he's just my friend and he's just my friend, what about the guy I'm romantically interested in? Is he also just my friend? So we're all, I have multiple partners. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) you know, if we, I had this discussion so many times. I'm like, and then my favorite one is like, you know, we can't say boyfriend, girlfriend. We have to say, I'm not, oh I'm Oh my God, like, we're talking. We're talking. You know what? We're after to know after four years in a relationship, you're no longer just talking. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're still talking. Yeah, I mean, that's that's quite a long conversation. I mean, I know. It's a long ass conversation. I'm super <laughs> into it. Four years later, and we're still talking. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, four years later, four years later, and I'm like, and that is why capitalism is messed up. That's the way I am. Well, it would take four years to explain why capitalism is messed up. That's a believable, long conversation. But like, seriously, I'm not tired of like four years later. I think we already know enough about each other to call it what it is. Yeah. Call a spade a spade. We are together in a relationship. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, like, they think it's like aib. And by aib, I mean, what's the good equivalent in English? Shameful. Shameful. Yes, thank you. It's not um, shameful. We but then at the same time, no. they already, like, to them, the whole boyfriend-girlfriend idea is shameful. But then saying, like, you're actually talking to someone is not. I just think they don't like the term, but they know what it is. When you're saying you're yeah. talking. Okay. Okay, Shushu, what about what about in your family? What would have happened with the term my boyfriend? <laughs> I was never no one ever discussed dating with me or romance or relationships or anything. I will say my parents were both working parents, so I didn't see them as much maybe as like you saw your mom nude, like um I didn't see them that much and so the conversations that we did have were like what happened today? Like get me up to speed on the important things. And this is um, this is sometimes what life is. You know, you want to make it, you have four daughters, you need to work to support them. So there's like no shame in that. Um, so I was never, I, I never had these conversations. I remember one, the, maybe one of the only times my mom mentioned voice to me is like one day I was um, doing math at my desk and I got really mad because I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I kind of just like, like flicked my eraser against the wall and my mom was like is this mm-hmm. about a boy and I was like what <laughs> I'm in front of a calculus book I mean shitty not to be real what what else could a girl possibly be mad about <laughs> well definitely not calculus <laughs> everything I learned I learned from books and mm-hmm. and that that was it that was everything I learned I learned from books I had no talks I had no I had nothing what I did know is that everything What I did know from the girls around me is that if you did want to venture into that, you had to be stealthy as hell 
or you were going to get your ass beat. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's all I knew. Um, so I, my experience was a little bit different, I think, from um, yours. Uh, it was it was really a series that started at the age of three when I was in preschool. And there was a boy in preschool whose name I will say because it's part of the story and I have no idea where this kid even is. His name was Nicola and I called him Nicolella <laughs> and I used to chase him around. I would literally chase him screaming Nicolella and he would run away from me. And my mother was humiliated (laughs) by my skanky ways. Um, That progressed into, in grade two, I developed a crush on a boy at Schweifat. Oh, Oh my God. Right? I yelled at Sada in grade four because she was talking to him. (laughs) Yes, she did. She threatened me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like back away from my band <laughs> oh my god I was in grade 4 so I mean, this was the child that my mother was dealing with and I think that she realized that because like I would take pictures because you know the class pictures that you would take at birthday parties and your parents would bring cake to the classroom and they would take pictures mm-hmm. and my mom would print those pictures out and I would point at this kid and be like I love him oh my god <laughs> <laughs> So my poor mother actually explained um, sex to me at age 10 or 11. It was pretty much the week before I got my period. She was like, at some point soon, you're going to see blood on your underpants. That's a period. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I wasn't surprised when it did happen. Um, I wasn't surprised by uh, feelings of horniness because it was explained to me what that was in scientific terms, like my mom went out and bought a book to show me like genitalia and explain the proper terminology. So I would actually say that my mom did an amazing job at sex education because we didn't have any at school. Mm -hmm. But then she combined that sex education and that openness in the discussion with like, you can never date, Mm. not only because like, might get your heart broken, but that would be shameful to our name. Your father would be devastated. Our reputation would fall apart. You will destroy us. <laughs> Jeez. Right? That's pressure. That's a lot of pressure of like, okay, I can see that you're like a kind of sexual developing person. Um, and that's a bad thing. So put it back in your pants and don't even be interested. Don't even be curious and stop looking at men like that. And I'm like, my dude, I'm just looking at people's faces because I'm interested in looking at people. And it's like, no, they think you're flirting. And it's like, I'm not, but I'm not. I just think personally that they like, especially at that specific age is that they thought that we didn't have like the right judgment or stuff which is kind of true because if you remember <laughs> who we had crushes on you'd kind of be like um yeah maybe that wasn't a good idea my judgment was a bit off no regret <laughs> so, well are you sure <laughs> i have one small regret <laughs> So I kind of understand in terms of like why parents might feel like at a specific age that it's not a good idea. But at the same time, I feel like it's okay to have discussed it, Mm. you know, and just been aware of like certain things. But um, I just yeah, like basically years later, after talking to my mom about it, she's like, oh, it's because like, you know, you were at an age where this could happen and this could happen and all that stuff. But now, like, you know, you're older. I trust you. All this stuff. You you make your decisions, blah, 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 which is true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
it would have been nice to be aware of other things. I think even it's at a younger fine. Age. I think okay. it's fine to like want to protect your child from making mistakes. It is the yeah. Um, it's the shame that ruins everything because the shame will follow yep. you to adulthood. Yep. So yep. then, even yes. now, yep. they trust our decisions. The shame is internalized. We don't need even need to get it from the outside anymore. So you can mm-hmm. inform your child. You can tell them, I would rather you didn't because you're very young and impressionable. But yeah. saying you will ruin us, mm-hmm. you will ruin yourself. You know, a, a, a girl would just be, you know, be slapped with the label of whore. Ruined. Ruined. And I'm sitting here like ruined, like, oh yeah. my God, yeah. this is like, why were we living in a freaking Regency novel? What is this? Because unfortunately, unfortunately, though, we like as women, we get named certain things really quickly and men can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And not to turn this into a, you know, male versus female thing, but it's kind of true that in society, if a woman were to behave just like a man, mm-hmm. she would be shamed for it. Whereas a man would be, hey, high five, you know? Yeah, and you know, I guarantee that that was <laughs> happening like, in high school. Oh, yeah, was yeah, for though? sure. Was it though? Yes. Yes, I'm come on. Like you're telling me that some, you know, some of the male friends we have, their parents weren't like when they came home and are like, "Oh, I'm dating this person." Their dad wouldn't be like, "Oh, good for you," blah blah blah. You think they were shamed? No, but I think that what I I'm going to ask a very direct question here and we don't have to go down this path for a long time. But was anybody during high school having sex? I don't think so. How am I supposed I, to I just want to say <laughs> It's true. One, how are we supposed to <laughs> Two, I don't know, Nude, because like privacy in the Arab home is like very. Uh, That's true. Everything's hush hush. Yeah, and, and the, but it's also really hard for you to have your own privacy. So I highly doubt it. Were things mm-hmm. happening in more public places? Maybe. I don't know. I can't comment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so we'll mm-hmm. drop that. Yeah. Um, basically, it, the, the whole culture surrounding sex was very, very different. Uh, where we grew up than it is in high schools here now. And some of that may be the length of time that has passed between our high school experience and the high school experiences that I witness. Um, But it could also be entirely cultural. But these weren't topics that were discussed frequently. Dating wasn't something that was really addressed. Thinking about what you would want out of a partner was fairly taboo because you weren't supposed to be thinking about having a partner. But that, that narrative shifts words that narrative shifts really really quickly in adulthood where you go from not being allowed to date to being expected to have a fiance on hand for all events where did he come from who is he (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing and the shift is so jarring because Mm -hmm. as girls in the middle east we are taught again to fear men and to try to keep our distance Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, as our friend group included a lot of boys. So I yeah. guarantee we were not, we were not in as bad a position <laughs> as other girls were. Absolutely true. We still picked up, picked up some of those social skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the shift is jarring because as a child, you're being told, you know, one day it'll be you uh, on that altar. And you're like, I'm 10. And, <laughs> and then the next thing you know it, it stops being uh, it, the the context, not the context. What they mean when they say it changes when you get older because it goes from that'll be you one day to why isn't this you now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. shame comes back in a different way. 
So does it feel like a failure to either of you? Do, have you internalized <laughs> that feeling of failure to not be, I don't know, engaged or with a life partner? Well, I unpacked that shit in therapy, but I will tell you, it took a long, long, long time for my therapist to get it into my head that there was nothing wrong with me. And that is how strong the shame is. That is how much they hammer it into your head. How are you expected to find a partner with just so much baggage about what partnership means and what it's supposed to look like. I just, I don't get it. You do find a partner, Nur, but this, this, this turns into another thing because you get told like, oh, this will be you one day. So you settle and then you're unhappy. Yes. And, and it's the unhappiness that we mm -hmm. don't talk about because once you're married, they're like, well, washing my hands of this situation sucks that you're unhappy <laughs> though. Bye. Well, I don't know if they wash their hands of the situation so quickly because we are leading into our second topic after Sarah's response. So just to comment on the settling thing, Nude, you know, I was on vacation with you last week and we were talking and I said, I feel like women these days, especially in our age, want a wedding mm -hmm. and not a marriage. Yes. And it's agreed. And honestly, like, no, because what comes after that is like a life. You're gonna have fights, you're gonna have arguments, mm -hmm. you're gonna have mm -hmm. great times, obviously. But at the same time, mm. it's like, are you prepared to take this on? It's not just a nice wedding dress and a nice party and all this stuff. It's like when women end up finding this person and a lot of them that I know ha have been settling just because you know we're at this age where we're expected to get married and they're like so excited for their wedding and then you see them after and it's like okay I guess they weren't expecting what comes after the wedding so it's like are mm -hmm. they th you know to me it seems like they kind of settled and just wanted to get that part over with and yes I checked this list now let's move on to the mm -hmm. next part of you know let's have kids and that's our next topic yes. go for it yeah <laughs> i have been married for four years i do not have kids i do not want kids i will not be having kids therefore i am a massive failure a disappointment to my parents a disappointment to my husband a disappointment to my society and just basically a giant raging disappointment of a human being because i refuse to do the one thing that my body was apparently built for never mind that my body has done a shit ton else but the fact that i do not wish to use my womb as an incubator makes me uh, kind of a shitty person according to some people I, what is the purpose of a woman in Arab culture? Baby making. <laughs> baby making. And get, getting married and having a baby, no matter how much they try to deny it, it is the core. Yeah. Well, Nude, I don't think you're a failure for not wanting kids. You have. No. Thank yes, you. because, okay, each person has their reasons. Some people might not think they, you know, some people are just not 
ready for children. They, you know, it's not like just you don't just give birth to a baby and then it just grows and raises itself on its own. I mean, it's a lot of work and some people are not prepared mm -hmm. for that life. Some people don't want that life. Mm -hmm. They just want their own. I go to work. I do this stuff. I, you know, I have my hobbies. I want my husband. I mean, it's honestly up mm -hmm. to you. It's not up to society to decide this. I mean, if you're not ready for it, then why bring a child and make the child suffer for no reason? One of the Thank worst you. things you can yes. do is have a child do you know without how many wanting Arab, it. I don't want to say you. Arab only. I know like it's not just a, a Middle Eastern thing. Many people just end up getting kids mm -hmm. and don't know how to raise them. And then these kids end up growing up and being released into society. And we see all this like awful stuff happen all around because they weren't raised properly. And then you go like, well, maybe some people shouldn't have children. Well, when you say that and then you blame people for not having it, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, they're like, mm, maybe some people shouldn't have children. Yeah, you I mean, should have I, a child, yes. though. Not you're, you're not ex you know, like, um, you're not included in that statement. The thing is, <laughs> the number of people that I see having children before they're financially yes. ready, yes. emotionally it's ready. It's all yep. Your yeah. child is going to be messed up. Like I honestly have told people recently, no children until a Green New Deal is passed. Until I know that this Earth is safe for living, mm -hmm. no children. And people are like, oh my god, wow, but like I would really want a baby. I'm like, it's not a purse, girl. <laughs> it's, like, it's, not, it's not like going to buy a purse. <laughs> I'm going to die. This baby is going to be alive for like X number of years after me. Yeah. Right, right. And so Ideally. that means my job now is to make sure that A, like as, as an individual now that I'm emotionally and financially ready to give this child everything they need with no struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then B, when I'm gone, that I have placed them in a world and a society that is not going to just ruin them. Yep. Now, I, I do I do want to do a couple of quick disclaimers, of course. Um, there are people for whom fertility is an ongoing problem. And of course, mm -hmm. um, my deepest and greatest sympathies to those people who want children and are struggling to have them. This is not about those cases. This is also not about cases where people don't necessarily plan to become pregnant, but once they are pregnant, choose to see that pregnancy through. There's absolutely no judgment there. I completely understand the desire to keep a child once it is inevitable. This is our own personal um, feelings and experiences about what we would like our own families to look like. Um, if you have any comments to make regarding this topic, we invite you to get in touch with us in the multitude of ways that we will mention in our outro. The thing is about children is that um, as, as, Arab, as Arab girls, we're really raised to just love a baby. You see a yeah. baby, you, you better compliment. <laughs> you, better, really, baby, you better compliment. But I really do, baby. though. I really do. I love kids. I mean, I also don't love wrong. Them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, listen, I. No judgment. Nude knows how I feel about this. Like, yes. it's completely her decision. But yes, I do love babies. And yes, someday when I meet the right person, yes, I hope it happens for me. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's are, not for everybody. It's not, it's not for everybody, but they yeah. go out of their way to condition us to make us believe that it is. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the, the thing. Problem. And so they take the choice from you. When it is a choice, for every, for every person, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and the men all... also. Yes. Men, 
Men also are taught to want children. It's funny how little labor they have to put into it after. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes. Literally. Labor, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally labor. And all the emotional stuff that comes after. Um, in your average Middle Eastern home circa 2010 when I was there, it mm-hmm. seemed like mothers were putting in the majority of emotional labor. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, at one of like at an award show last year, um, Glenn Close won an award for something. And she had this really amazing speech where she was like, women, I want you to have something that you love, that you're passionate about, that isn't your husband, isn't your children. Because mm-hmm. when, when everything, at the end of the day, when these women grow up and the children leave um, and the husband, I don't know, becomes an inconvenience or passes away, <laughs> unfortunately, there is an yeah. emptiness. And it's around that time when women realize, yeah. I didn't do anything for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mothers tend to sacrifice a lot for their kids. And yes, you need to find. And I've heard it, too, from like some of my coworkers. You know, they tell me. Everything I do is for my kids. I don't even have time to go out with my friends. I don't do this. But I think it's a like you do need to prioritize yourself every once in a while. Not saying that you should be a bad mother and neglect your kids. No. But, you know, when your kids are at their friend's house and whatever and you have free time, no need to be doing their extra stuff, you know, like clean. Like that can happen later. Go out. Enjoy yourself. Do something that you like, relax, read a book, something. I mean, you, you do need to find time for yourself every once in a while. It's also I'm, not only for you. It's, it's mm-hmm. modeling. Yes. You are yes. modeling yes. humanity. Yes. I, I'm a really big supporter, actually, of women becoming mothers later in life, which uh, people really try to argue with me about. But I'm like, I, I'm like, I know a lot about development and by, and like, People need to calm down. I'm like, I know about development, okay? I'm a scientist. Um, <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally a, a stem cell specialist. That's where your babies sprout from. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's, you know, for me, it's like I'm, I'm a big supporter of women becoming mothers later in life. I want myself to be a mother later in life. Like mm-hmm. whatever, not now. That's the thing, later in life, because I know that I, I want to give myself enough time to do everything that yes. I want to do alone as Shireen as a person so that mm-hmm. there is never a moment where I resent my child for taking mm-hmm. my time. Mm-hmm. And it's the resentment that a lot of children have to leave, live with. Yep. Um, I didn't. Thankfully, my, my mom wanted nothing more than to be a mom. And in her uh, I don't want to say twilight years. She's still quite young. But, you know, she went back and got a college degree and started a whole ass career once my brother and I were kind of grown. So she she always modeled for me, though, what it meant to be an individual. She was always so excited about the things that she loved and the things that she was excited about. Um, decor and design and clothing and makeup. And she never let us take that from her even though her main identity was as a mom Mm -hmm. and that was really good modeling for me yeah exactly my mother had um had us i think like relatively late in life Mm -hmm. Uh, i think she had the twins at 36 which to arabs Mm -hmm. is like oh my god ajusa right Um, unfortunately that's but unfortunately um which means she had me at 34 and i never felt like for one minute 
that she was mm-hmm. she would rather be doing something else or that I had taken something from mm-hmm. her. Because I think she, she had that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, mm-hmm. it's like different for everybody. Some people are, like I said, goes back to the time frame. Some people are ready at 23. And they have their stuff figured out and they don't have anything else they want to do. That's what they what that's what they want. They want to become parents. But then yep. you cannot fit everyone into the same time frame. Exactly. Because a lot of some people they've t- they're they've t- like ticked all their boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, God, I wish that was Me too. Yeah. But there's so much more yep. I want to experience and do. But I need to experience and do those things as Shireen alone as an individual. Mm-hmm. You mean not as mama? <laughs> Not as mama, I as Shireen, like as myself. And that's the thing. I'm very protective of my individuality after like years of being told, you know, why isn't this you? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I need to protect the me I am now because everybody around me is telling me it's wrong to be like this. Yeah, I get that. I hear yeah. that. Um, so that's another thing. It's uh, every time someone has a baby and... I love the babies in our families, mm-hmm. like all of Mike's cousins' children. I adore them. All of my cousins' children, I adore them. I will happily spend time with them, babysit them, read to them, play with them. But then I want to give them back to their parents, and I want to go home and not. I mean, that's totally fine. That's you. That's at least listen. At least you know what you want, and you know that what you don't want. And at the same time. Not you're not just making you're not jumping into some rash decision of yeah okay let's have kids okay oh oh, the baby's born I don't know what to do with this now Mm -hmm. or worse what I'm actually really 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 very afraid of and here's the thing I get told off a lot Mm -hmm. for this but because I've been living with depression and anxiety for so long I feel like I'm probably a prime candidate for postpartum depression and I don't mean to say this facetiously. But I would not be surprised if I was one of those people on the news who threw a baby out of the window because I was freaking overwhelmed and didn't know what to do. Um, My mental health is not something that I rely on heavily enough Mm -hmm. to put my body through something like that. And I also don't want to raise a child who would then have to see its mother every six months be in bed for three months at a time because she doesn't know how to get up Mm -hmm. or stop crying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I totally agree. At least you're making that decision of what's best for you know, for you and for someone who isn't even born yet. I mean, like, it's not the baby's fault, you know, that he came into this life or he she came into this life. And, yeah. you know, I mean, first of all, if your mental health is something you need to work on, then how do you yeah. expect to be there for that innocent child? Like, it's not possible. It's, you need to focus on yourself first. And maybe someday you might change your mind and maybe you might not. I mean, it's up at the end of the day, it's up to you and your husband. And everyone else yep. should not matter. That is so, 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 so crucial. Um, but it tends to matter. And I forget that because I'm usually around people my own age mm-hmm. or my parents who, honestly, after like a good sit down discussion with my own parents and my in-laws of like, here is my laundry list of reasons why I don't think that this is something I want. Mm-hmm. I've been left alone for the most mm-hmm. part. Nope asking about grandkids um both mike and i have siblings so they can go have kids and give the grandkids if they want to um but like 
it's not coming from my own parents anymore. It definitely isn't coming from my husband. But once in a while, I'll be like out in the world and the topic will come up and I'll mention it casually like, oh, yeah, no, we're not having kids. And people will be like, oh, my God. And I feel like I have to explain. Yeah, I know I don't have to explain myself. But I feel a responsibility to explain myself so that the question stops being asked. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. For me, I have the privilege of choice. For some people, they don't. For some people, it's not possible to have a child. And being constantly asked, where's the baby? Where's the baby? It's like, well, dude, my uterus isn't fucking working. So maybe no. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it, it, it surprises me how nosy people can be about something as personal yeah. as carrying a child or even as personal as having a life partner, mm-hmm. like, which is, which is much, which carries much less like heaviness than carrying a child because there are so many hidden things that women may not be sharing with a random stranger who's yeah. like, tell me why you aren't pregnant. Um, <laughs> But the fact that we always have to explain ourselves for not following the schedule and or fitting into like the peg, like the round, like the round hole, like being like, I have to tell people I'm a square peg. I can't fit into a round hole. And they're like, but why? Tell us more. And I'm like, I don't know you. So um, no, they want you to stand yourself down. Yeah, they want you to send yourself down and by constantly making you explain and asking you about it and telling you, um, inshallah, shufich, whatever, that's part of the sanding down process. Mm-hmm. You know how tired I am after every event after here? Like if I had a penny for every time someone said inshallah, a shufich, I would have I would have more time off work. Um, <laughs> so literally, my PTO would be cushioned. <laughs> If I had a penny for every time someone said that to me. Yeah. and Or uh, if I had a penny for once every time someone just like pointed things out about me that I don't care about, like things that are important, that things that Arabs like to say, like nobody calls me smart, mm-hmm. but you, sh- you know, if you're looking nice, oh, like, she's oh so my pretty. God. She's mm-hmm. so pretty. Like men are going to be fawning over her. Meanwhile, at home as a child, I was not as a child as a teenager, I was told multiple times, jokingly, but this still kind of sinks into you, God help the man who ends up being your husband. Because Shireen, you are a difficult, terrible person. I go to weddings, they're like, this should be you. Teenage me is like, it obviously can't be. Because I. you guys are also telling me, I su- which is yeah. it? Do I suck or am I good and, and worthy of love? Like, which is it? Definitely worthy of love. Neither and both. thank you no I know but like then you know if you're me you end up in therapy and you unpack all of this because even things said in jest just like contribute to the robotic thing it's just like it's like a big pot yeah I mean don't get me wrong that basic thing I understand it's just something that is said right sometimes like we, we shouldn't take it too personally because it's just something people say to everybody. But at the same mm-hmm. time, there's like this, sometimes it just, it's something you say. And then sometimes there's like this tone behind it. Like, oh, you're not married yet. You didn't find someone yet. Like, <laughs> okay. You know, there's like that, ju- you can tell the difference. Don't get me wrong. If someone told me and like moved on, cool. Like, yeah, it's just something you say. But at the yeah. same time, if you're saying it in that judgy tone, like as, yeah. if, like as if like I care or it matters to me, then yeah, I'm, I have a problem with it because you know what? There's a lot of other things in my life that are going great that yes. I don't I don't feel the need. Like nothing's missing, and when it happens, it happens. And yeah, if I wanted to settle down, I would have been married at 21. <laughs> like hey, we are. 
You're not. That's the thing. It happened to you because it was the time for you. Because I fell in love with someone and I wanted to keep him for the rest of my life. Not because I wanted to. Because you met the perfect person. And yes, like I said, when it happens, it happens. For you, it happened at 21. For me, it might happen at 29. For Shireen, it might happen this year. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's a month left though. So if you're out there, no. <laughs> no, but you know what? The, the thing is, the tone, there's something about the yeah. tone. I think it's pity. I think it's the pity yes, yeah. in the tone that gets on my freaking nerves. Mm-hmm. It's always pity. Like, oh, it'll be you one day. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, like I, this is the thing. Do they not realize how dangerous it is to consider yourself as half of a person until you meet a man? No. How oh, damaging it is yeah. to not see yourself as whole i know you um, should never give someone that much power mm-hmm. like the power of completion should not be in the hands of someone it should be in our hands right and instead like honestly in this day and age and the fact that like you know what like how we are as women i think we should be complimented more if anything the fact that we're still on our own succeeding working so hard yes. instead of being right yes right. instead of and tra- like honestly traveling when we get to when we want to uh seeing the world reading more all this stuff that we're doing to improve ourselves i think we should be complimented instead of being said like why don't we just change that narrative a little bit do you feel like even when you are complimented, you are complimented on your increased value as a commodity? Um, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know actually. I don't know. I mean, yeah, sometimes. Well, here's yeah, the thing. Sometimes I'm, they do because, like, here's here's how it goes. Hmm. Oh my god, why wouldn't anyone want you? You're educated. You're blah blah mm-hmm. blah. You're beautiful. You look young, and they start listing all mm-hmm. these qualities. It's like, okay, well, I didn't do all this so I can get someone. Mm-hmm. I did it for me. And then if someone appreciates that, that's great. Yes. I didn't do it. Here's to, the th- yeah, to, that's to, like the market thing. myself, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's literally like I am the cow and I'm fatting, fattening <laughs> myself up for market. That's yeah. literally what it's framed as. And I'm like, uh, no. But, you know, it's always like, and this is another thing that, where they, they quote unquote, don't understand why you're not married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how um, could you be so perfect okay. and not have anybody? Yeah, <laughs> they're like, how could you be so flawless? And I'm like, I guess everybody else around me just isn't flawless. Like, what the hell do they want you to say? I don't know. What do they want you to say? About? I don't know. The better question, the better thing to ask someone when you haven't seen them in a long time is, why don't you tell me what's going on with you? Like, what's up? What right. are some good things that have happened? And then that gives you the freedom to just list your achievements. I got a master's degree. I did mm-hmm. this. I did that. Instead of being like, but specifically tell me about your love life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also like, like, my God, the shame. Also, like, 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 do they not realize that it is possible that you have met people? You have been with like, you know, uh, a partner here, a partner there, maybe, uh, who knows? But at the same time, it just simply didn't work out. And that these are sometimes life lessons of what you expect or what you want. So it's like, you know, you're going through experiences, you're learning more about yourself and what you want. And yes, it's not like you settle for the first person that comes into your life. I mean, hey. <laughs> I'm not saying it's this, you. This is I'm not out. saying this is you. I know, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm joking. Just but... Also, no, no, don't yes, lie to us. This is not the, the first, first person, person in your life. Okay, okay, I'm on my podcast. 
<laughs> I started young. Okay, all right. <laughs> so okay. That's the thing though. Like, you know, I I mean you always want that first person to be your person, right? Like for me, at least I like, I, I consider mm-hmm. myself like you, Shireen, a, a big time romantic. I like my romance novels. I read them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive to think my life is going to end up being some fairy tale romance novel. Do I hope mm-hmm. for it? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Like that's nice. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I always thought like my first person would be the person I'd like, you know, have like be with for a couple of years and then we'll be so comfortable with one another. And then like, yeah, we'll date, we'll, we'll get married, engage, whatever, all this business. But life isn't always like that easy. Things happen. Situations happen. Sometimes two people love each other so much, but there's a situation, something happens that you can't be together and you're forced apart. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. do people consider that you maybe have found the love of your life, but life happened and you know what, you had to let go and move on and then the other person just didn't come yet? I mean, things happen, but people don't know the backstory. They just are. And they don't, they care, don't care about care. the backstory. They don't yeah. care. They see us as two-dimensional caricatures of women. And mm-hmm. a two-dimensional caricature of a woman belongs with a two-dimensional caricature of mm-hmm. a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That man can be right. anyone. That's the thing. You know, like, literally, I've, like, spoken to a man and then been accused by Arab women of, quote unquote, missing out because what if he's a great guy? And I was like, what the hell well, are you talking you about? Out, what did you miss out on? There was no. There was, Eesh. I'm just like, like, the thing is, it's like, Every conversation you have, they ex- they want you right. to consider it and a I'm possibility. Sorry, but like, but yes, and I'm sorry. Sometimes you're just not feeling it. You and or you just realize that there's no way in hell you could possibly continue something further with this person. There are signs sometimes from the very start, from the beginning. Oh, you're yeah. like, there's yeah, no absolutely. way we will get along, and then that's when the whole your picky thing comes along. You didn't give it a chance. No, because I, I I live 26 years on this earth. I think I know what I like by now and what I expect from the person sitting in front of me. If he doesn't know how to say two words together or have a decent conversation, I don't think it's going to progress anytime soon. If he acts like a deer in headlights, and I'm not talking about anyone specific, I'm just making a random example. No, no, um, no. You, know, you know what I don't like, actually? is i i just i just hate so much how they they want you to see every yes. person as an opportunity people are not opportunity right. they're people and they yes, deserve yes. respect and they deserve mm-hmm. respect and they deserve right. to be treated like human beings and one of the worst things you can tell a woman who has dismissed a man from her life is why don't you give him a chance he's nice nice That's is true. not enough ladies and, it's not and gentlemen just that. why would i lead this guy on and pretend like I'm interested in him when I'm really mm-hmm. not from the beginning. Like, what's the purpose? Just so I can mm-hmm. get to know him when from the beginning, I already knew that he's not even an option because we have like, we know what we want, right? I mean, there are some some basic stuff. Yes, the guy might not have everything that we wanted or thought we wanted. But then you see this quality in him and you're like, oh, my God, you know what? I love talking to this person. And it just develops. But then at some point, like, you could be talking to someone and realize there's no way. So what's the point of wasting both your times when you know it's just not an option? I know. It, and you're absolutely right. I do have kind of a question to, like, throw out into the podcast. Um, 
sometimes you are talking to someone and it's not even in a romantically like get to know mm-hmm. you. You're just talking to someone. Um, and you, and someone tells you like, you should give that person a chance. How comfortable are you are saying, I don't find them attractive. And if you do say that, how often are you shamed for that? Well, I, um, I don't so, I don't know if I would just yeah, like sorry, flat out say like I don't find them attractive. I just go like there's no chemistry because I feel like that would like having like being attracted to somebody kind of falls into that chemistry thing too. And it's kind of like general. So I don't have to say like, like oh, he's not oh, yeah. attractive. Mm-hmm. I just say there's no chemistry because part of being attractive or whatever comes with chemistry too. And and it's not just like, For sure. I mean, chemistry can be like the way you talk to each other, uh, the way you, you know, you're attracted to someone. So it's like a very broad thing. So I think I would rather say I'm not mm-hmm. feeling it. There's no chemistry between us than just me personally flat out saying he's not attractive. That's just my opinion on it. Not that I would think anything if someone said, oh, he's not attractive. Because, I mean, yeah, we all have certain things that we like about people and we don't. I mean, it's, it's your own preference. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not all attracted yeah, to that everyone. Would be dis- yes, God. it would be, that would be so <laughs> disruptive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It would be a disaster. But you know what? It's almost like, look, I, I completely agree with you, but I also think that sometimes – if you don't find someone mm-hmm. like immediately attractive, like physically, it's really hard to oh, like wow. okay. get the chemistry going because a part of because a part of your brain is like, uh, don't know about that. Oh my god! So when I was with Nude in Montreal, like last week, we were having we a had discussion. a great time, by the way. Yes, it was a great I'm time, so and oh, I wish okay. you were with us. But we were having conversations among this like you know topic, and we were just we talked about like being attracted to people and all this stuff and and nude asked the question like oh you know if you met someone at the beginning and you weren't that attracted to them or has this happened to you before and honestly yes sometimes for me at least like mm-hmm. I might not be attracted to someone like because of their looks but sometimes like if I'm sitting with them and I feel like the conversation is going great and yeah maybe initially I wasn't attracted to them like I didn't see them walk into the room and I'm like oh my god look at this cutie like, you know I mean <laughs> you know yeah no but like, I think what I, I'm saying yeah. is you can't be repulsed well obviously no no no, no obviously yeah. there's a certain degree but I mean if you know like if someone doesn't walk in looking like Tom Cruise I'm not gonna be like oh my god there's no way you know we're using Tom Cruise as the I example. don't know he's the first <laughs> church of Scientology please do not listen to this I podcast mean, I mean he's the first I don't know why but he's the first person I thought of even though I, I'm not a he big has fan. a nice jaw I'm not a big fan <laughs> of him I don't okay I don't know who you want to consider whatever whoever it is Brock O'Hearn who, who the hell oh, is that, who is that? <laughs> Oh my god, I haven't made you follow Brock O'Hearn. No. He's a model. You're- He's trying to be an actor. He's just so <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking him up, but keep, keep talking. So my, my point is like I have developed like chemistry or something with someone um based on like their conversation, how they carry themselves, etc. Yes, I didn't think mm-hmm. they were a model or anything sitting in front of me. And I wasn't like I was more attracted to their personality over their looks. So for me personally, I feel like something could develop. But obviously Lashirin, like you said, like I shouldn't be repulsed by them. 
Not that I'm ever really <laughs> repulsed by anyone based on their looks. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it could develop into something and sometimes not. So I don't know. But I feel like Unfair. you can tell, though. Like, you can tell at the beginning. I don't know. That's Honestly, for me, for me, it's a deal breaker. Really? Yeah, What's a huge deal breaker. Uh, not not finding someone sexy. Uh, okay, tell huh. tell us more about this. Um, By the I way, can... I looked up that guy on Instagram. Why is his Instagram only thirst traps? I'm gonna kill you. Such a thirst trap. What is his name? <laughs> anyway, bro, uh, I'll send you. I'll, I'll send it to yes, you on. on please I'll do. I'll send you a picture. On well, I'm gonna um, send you a picture where I'm like, yeah, I could, I could get behind this. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes, please. Um, I liked him better with the long hair, but that's none of my business and he can do whatever he wants to. It's his body and I will continue to follow and support and creep with those traps. <laughs> but no, like for me, I cannot separate romantic feelings from sexual feelings. Uh, I can, I can, but I will not develop romantic feelings without there being a very, very definite sexual chemistry. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. will not feel any sexual chemistry if I can't look at you and imagine, I don't know, pulling your shirt over your head. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. No, no, no. No. I mean, nude, I write this shit all the time, right? <laughs> I, um, you, you can tell, like, you who have read my writing know that I'm a big proponent mm -hmm. for, like, that immediate... Um, that immediate physical attraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that moment of damn. Like I, I feel like I had that with Mike. I still have that with mm -hmm. Mike. He's he's a beautiful man. I think he is absolutely gorgeous, and uh, it would be a problem if if we weren't attracted listen, listen, to each other. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be attracted. That's definitely something. But I'm just saying that sometimes it develops over time. I'm not. Fair. Yeah, but I definitely think that there should be an attraction at some point. And if there isn't, then you're just friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. so no, no, since you have said that and you, you really think that you should find this person attractive off the bat, you know, you want to look at them and picture like stripping them down to their <laughs> underwear, which is totally not, I'm fine. Um, do you think that if you ever said that to someone, if you said that to an Arab woman who accused you of not giving him a chance, <laughs> would you be judged for? No, you didn't. You don't say... You don't, say, you don't say, but I can't picture myself getting him naked. You just say, I didn't find him attractive. Do you think you would be judged for that? Not by my own family, but I think by external forces, yes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I, this is like a weird thing to say because I feel like this can be judged pretty heavily. But we tend towards being a little superficial in my family. We like pretty things. We like beautiful it doesn't things. doesn't everyone, though. Um, have you met my brother? <laughs> Arabs in uh, Arabs in particular, we love uh, uh, taking care of our external mm -hmm. appearances. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. big deal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, dude, I mean, you have to admit though, like if you find someone attractive and whatever, and they can barely form a sentence, doesn't that just turn off that attraction? Oh no, I yeah, mean, I it would, yeah, yeah. No, it would to me though, no. not dude. to me. No, I'm not kidding. That like. The, the sexual attraction, I'm not saying that everyone I find sexually attractive is going to be a good romantic mm -hmm. partner, yeah. um, but I am saying that those are two separate things. Like, I could find someone super interesting and lovely, and if I don't find them sexy, I don't want a romance mm -hmm. with them. Exactly. And I could find someone incredibly sexy, but that doesn't mean that I want to spend exactly. my life with yeah, them. Yeah. 
exactly. maybe not more than like 45 yep. minutes. So there, should be, <laughs> there should be a good balance is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Yes. Of course. The point of my question was, I was wondering how much freedom do you think women are allowed to have when it comes to physical attributes in men in Arab culture? Mm. Not much. Mm. Like if you, I'll give you an example. If you met someone and they were interesting enough and you were friendly enough and someone was like, oh my God, this person seems like a great match for you. And you're like, but why does he have Dumbo ears though? (laughs) Yes, people would judge that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like those Dumbo ears could be like a real, like you could be looking at those ears for like 45 (laughs) years. Oh my God. (laughs) No, no. Another woman who loves them deserves to be lying in them for 45 years. And that is That's the, thing. the thing. It's yes. Yes. I'm just saying, like, you want to give someone a chance because they think nice is enough, but nice isn't enough. That's what I'm saying. It's a combination of mm-hmm. so many factors, including external factors. But I f- almost feel like Arab men um, really like they they strive toward this like gorgeous Arab women. And granted, a lot of us mm-hmm. are. Um, mm-hmm. they, uh, Arab women don't strive with that same amount of energy and don't have that as an expectation. And I wonder why. That's true. I've seen, I don't mean to say this and sound rude or anything, but I have seen a lot of beautiful Arab women with like much, much, much less attractive Mm -hmm. men. Yep. Same. A lot. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's like when you compare like, um, um, for example, like really attractive looking men, mm-hmm. Arab men, mm-hmm. and their partners to really attractive women and their partners. Mm-hmm. You know, there's you see a very big difference between the two. It's true. And I and I don't know why that is. Like as if we're not expected to want attractive men. Yes. I, I don't know. Yes, because, because that's a sexual be. thing. Yes. Okay. See, I was trying to uh, crawl into this because they say Arabic and they want you to get married, but they also don't realize that marriage <laughs> for a woman is is equal marriage for a man, and that both of them should get the same thing out of it, including mm-hmm. sexual satisfaction. But women are yep. not are shamed for thinking about that even, and mm-hmm. so they. Pause. I'm not saying none of these women are attracted to their um to their husbands, but yeah, in, yeah, right. in some cases probably aren't as sexually attracted to him as he is to her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. Is nice enough? Because they say arbalik and implying that nice is enough. And that's why it's so easy to find a man out there. So I actually have a follow-up question. I mean, hmm. Yeah. Um, are we expected to seek sexual gratification at any point in our lives? Absolutely not. First of all, Haram. And secondly, I'm calling the Imam. I have him on speed dial for this shit. Don't no. Oh jeez. I don't think it's talked about I mean, it, honestly. So I wouldn't know how to answer this because I like when do we ever talk about this stuff with like older Arab women exactly. or men? Like we don't. This is we, we talk yeah. about this now exactly. amongst ourselves. But like I don't know how they view this. Maybe the answer would be different than what we expect, but we've never attempted to talk about this for various reasons. It's so awkward. 
not talking about it is a problem too. And I will say like the only way that I learned that a woman should be emotionally fulfilled, sexually fulfilled is through the romance novels. Mm-hmm. And so, but the thing is that that expectation or someone saying that should be your life was never communicated to anybody. Oh yeah, definitely never. And that's a problem in and of itself because if it's not communicated, it becomes a kind of shameful forbidden fruit conversation because we can't bring it up. Mm-hmm. And when there's shame attached to it, the answer is just a no for women. In my opinion, the answer is just a no. So I have a super awkward think- next question. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay. How comfortable do you think you would be speaking to a partner about your own sexual needs and preferences? I would be comfortable. I'm a, I'm a loud mouth. Are you kidding? I, I like <laughs> tell the most random people my life story. I think like <laughs> there is, there is some discomfort in that kind of communication, but it is a very positive kind of communication, and I think that everybody should do it. Sada? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I don't even know how to answer this question. <laughs> it's not <laughs> really rough. It is. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to, like, maybe ask a different, kind, like, a you know. Is there like a follow up question or I don't because I don't know what to say to them. I mean, like, like, what, like how? Touch me question. here. Like, I want you to touch me here. Yeah, no. See, I don't know. See, see, that's what I mean. And it's the shame. I'm a loud mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been I with agree. my. Yeah. There's this thing where I agree with Shireen. It is the shame because then I start feeling like, oh, this is weird. Like, I'm not supposed to or. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like. Yes, I agree. How do you think a Middle Eastern man would react to his new Middle Eastern wife saying, I want you to touch me here? I don't think it would be an issue, to be honest, after marriage. No, are you kidding? Really? He would be super into it. Arab men yeah. are Arab men are such hypocrites, dude. Yeah. <laughs> listen, okay, listen, listen. You're telling they have so many experiences and all this stuff. And my favorite part, my favorite part, is when after they're done having their fun, oh, I want this like really innocent Middle Eastern girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Which listen, I'm listen, listen. I'm I'm totally okay okay with the whole virgin thing obviously mm-hmm. but don't get me wrong i myself as a woman don't want a man who's been with everyone in town but do you want a virgin man i don't care about that stuff i'm just mm-hmm. saying i don't want someone to have the standard of it was okay for me to do everything whenever i wanted mm-hmm. but you cannot the double you standard. I, yeah, the double standard, and I'm I'm not saying that I want to be doing these things because I don't, and you know how I feel about this topic, but I do. I, I I don't want you to expect that it's okay for you and not okay for me or a woman or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a double standard. The thing is, like, there is such a hypocrisy in in Arab men because they want um they want you to be. I've written about this at length in my journal, especially when I was younger, because I was like, what am I supposed to be? They want me to be smart, but not too smart. They want me to be virgin, but also kind of sexy. And it's the Mm -hmm. Madonna whore complex. And, Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the Arab woman that they want, she doesn't exist. She is a terrifying person Mm -hmm. and she's not real, (laughs) but the Arab men would be into it. But the problem is, is that Arab women have never been encouraged to be into it. And so the chances of it happening, I will say, um, I think therapy can really hold people's hand through this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so because I have uh, body issues, just like individually, I'm not talking about like in any kind of partnership situation because there isn't mm-hmm. one currently. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, just I have body issues. Therapy has kind of helped me like become more at peace with my body. I think what a lot of it stems from is that Arab women um, feel shame about their bodies and taking up space and and existing. This is this is honestly this is another two hour long topic. Uh, clothing and expression. We we do have those lined up. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we were always told whatever size we were and whatever shape we were. We were told that it was somehow wrong. Like for me personally, I am a large breasted woman. Um, I am also a large butted woman. (laughs) Um, And I was told that tight fitting clothing was not something that I personally was allowed to wear because for me on my body, it would be like an invitation. How the fuck is me being covered in clothing an invitation to anyone to do anything? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're exposing yourself. But th- this is the body I was given. And I these know. Are the clothes I'm I wearing. <laughs> and it's like, let's be real, men are men. So even if you're in like a hijabi or anything, you're, they're, they're, they're going to find something. They're going to find something because men are visual. And let's be real. Let's not just like, you know, it, it is. What it Girl, is. I'm visual too. Okay, you too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, uh, as women, we can't win, right? Because somehow we are, we're, there, there are things wrong with us that don't attract men. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, you know, there's just like a lot of, there's just a lot of things wrong with us, but a big part of it is our body. Like, I'm very small and petite. Mm-hmm. I still hate my body. So what's up with that? What kind of culture did I grow up in where I yeah, but- that societally I- it's like societally accepted. I still hate but it. But is it was it like our culture or was it more like media and what we're expected to look like as women? Good question. I honestly think it was our culture because I am not a very good consumer of media. Mm-hmm. In that for the most part I was I didn't look at magazines. I barely watched TV. I was reading like the whole time I but, lived in, in the middle of But East. I mean, even in your books, because I've read tons of books, when they describe the female or how her body is, they always do this like they go like, you know, they always describe and go into details like her her long legs, heaving, her, right? They, they like, like they describe these things, and it gives you an idea. And do you compare yourself and go like, "Well, I'm not like this," for example? So that's the standard of beauty that you have created in your mind. I don't know because all of the romance novels I read at the time, certainly because it's better mm-hmm. now. Um, I think the heroines were all really petite, and I'm really small. Oh, and so if I still had a problem with it. It must have been coming from external factors and not something I built up in my mind. It's probably what you heard from like, I mean, look, we had a lot of guy friends, right? And we'd be sitting and we would be sitting and talking and whatever. And a girl passes by and, you know, they say something. And then we have this idea of what men Mm -hmm. are into. So I think that's Mm -hmm. probably how it came about. Like when they walk, you know, when a woman walks by and she's like either tall or, you know, she has certain features and guys are, you know, uh, in our group, would comment we'd start to think hey this is what guys are attracted to i maybe not i don't look like this so you start to compare Mm -hmm. yourself maybe that's how it came about probably is my guess 
And you know what? For us, the problem with Arab culture, and now that I'm thinking about it, is definitely cultural. Because on the off chance that a Caucasian blue-eyed blonde hair person mm-hmm. was at school, that was the standard of beauty. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not I can think it. of a lot of, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We cannot meet that standard because we're not white. We're Arab, for God's sake. And, guess what? We, and guess what? We came to the U.S. and now we're suddenly super exotic. <laughs> Exactly. Oh God! <laughs> now everyone's exotic and spicy, and you're yes. like, no. I just want to. I just want to exist as a formless cloud. I've heard this before. Like, hey, uh, you have this like exotic look about yourself. I'm like, really cool. Yes, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. They, they, and sometimes I really... they, say, they say I like Arabic girls, and I'm like, Arabic is the is language. language? And, then they re- yes. and then they realize they don't like me at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my favorites is uh, oh, I love Arabic girls, followed by like a qualifier for what's great about Arabic girls. Like, mm. oh, I love Arabic girls. You girls go wild. Oh, jeez. And it's like, okay, true for me, but like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but again, us as caricatures and not different people who have different ways of dealing with life is just like the, one of the biggest issues mm-hmm. in our culture. Yeah. And even in the way that people view us. But um and it's it's such a shame, honestly, because all of the Arab women I know who I'm who like I'm friends with are like beautiful, accomplished, intelligent mm-hmm. women. But I know, I know that nobody is seeing them as enough because they're not married or because they don't have children. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like one of the worst things you can see. And I will tell you myself, as someone who is unmarried, I don't feel like an adult because of this concept of our balak. Oh, yeah. And I will not feel like an adult I, until I get married. I, that is the worst thing. It is the worst thing. And I was telling Nude about this, too, in our conversation last week. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I still... I mean, yes, I have a full-time job and I, you know, I'm 26 years old. A great one. Thank you, yes. Um... And it's like, I should feel like an adult, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I'm not married and all this stuff. I still feel like a teenager because I like to watch Disney movies every now and then. And, you know, I like there are certain things in life that I'm doing or I enjoy doing that maybe don't fit the adult, you know, description. Have you freaking watched Coco no, yet? No, I'm going to, though. <laughs> oh my God, I'll watch Modern it. Love when you okay, watch Coco. Okay, okay, Oh, my God. I saw Coco live at the Hollywood Bowl yesterday, and I was crying. A lot so of jealous. people told me about I'm it. So jealous! It's you, so you have to see. It's so. But good. you know, like for example, yeah. like two months ago, I was in the mood of watching Hunchback of Notre Dame. I mean, mm-hmm. and then I oh, sat there thinking, summer. "Oh my god, I'm 26 watching Disney, but I love Disney, you know." But like, I Watch know, it. but it's like you know, I'm I'm looking, and then I like as I'm watching the movie, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and it's like, oh. These two are engaged. Cool. And I'm here. <laughs> and, and, and like, here I am watching my hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> it's almost like being an adult woman in our culture specifically mm-hmm. is equivalent to being devoid of interest. Yeah. So everything that you loved as a child is no longer valid. I know. But I... I have had to go back and specifically pick things from my childhood mm-hmm. and be like, you loved this as a child. You're still allowed exactly. to love it now. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. I feel like even yep. when I am married and I do have my kids, I'll be watching it and enjoying it with them. Yes. Yes. My mom. <laughs> you will be able to connect with another child 
shutting out your inner child um, as part of being an adult and being married is so Mm -hmm. damaging to yourself. It's very, it's awful. But I do know a lot of women who they gave up their hobbies. I don't want to be that person. they, They just we we yeah. can't be we can't be those people and if and if there is a partner or a potential partner who has that expectation we kick yeah. them to the curb because you have to be an individual whole person but because mm-hmm. we still feel like children that means our culture and our society has pushed it into our heads like so deeply that we're not um adults and we're not living I, I almost feel like I'm in this purgatory stage where I'm not really living life, but I will when I mm-hmm. get married. So if it makes you feel any better, I am married and I'm still an infant. <laughs> and uh when I tell people when they're like, Oh, that's that's not very adult, it's like, yeah, but I have no interest in being an adult by your definition. And they're like, Oh, when you have mm-hmm. kids, you'll know. And it's I like, know. <laughs> right. No. Like you're supposed to lose your yourself or what you enjoy just because you suddenly have kids or are married. It's like, no, I can just enjoy it with my partner or with my children, but I'm still who I am. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, that's people, uncomfortable to people. It is uncomfortable. People should just, I, like the ideal Arab society would be someone looking at you and being like, I'm so glad you're happy, not mm-hmm. criticizing what you don't have. And then when you tell them, when you fight back, they always say, I just want you to be happy, though. How do you know I'm not happy? Right, right. right. No. Because they never bothered to ask. I hear that one a lot. Yeah. I hear that one a lot. I just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. I'm Fine. I've gone to extensive therapy to make sure that I'm a little happier than I was before. Uh, yeah. So unless you're going to like reimburse that cost, don't talk to me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay. So there is one final topic, and I think that it's a, it's a short and quick mm-hmm. one. Do you mm. hear Balik when your friends or family members get... Uh, a new degree or a better paying job. Do you hear it as often as you hear it when friends or family members get no. married? Nope. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hear that's it, the thing. but not as often. And it's usually with like yeah. very, very close family members. For example, like my mother yeah. or because, you know, like my parents yeah. actually care about that stuff. Um, yes. Or like my yeah. aunt, you know, but like the general people like around me, no, never. No, the first oh, yeah. which means basically when you get married, because let's be real, we all tie happiness with weddings. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Really? So, the, the weddings thing, can be nice. Yeah. Weddings can be nice, but the, the question is what do they see as achievement, real achievement? Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't hear Marriage. about it often. It's th- all of the things that they should be saying that to you for are not are kind of just like, you know, side of the road achievements. Good for you. Yes. You'll make someone a great wife one day. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I graduated with distinction, but I guess that doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you, like, <laughs> you have your degree on your wall and it says with distinction. Yes. Everyone's <laughs> like, are you married though? Exactly. No, no, sorry. <laughs> what I want to see, ya habibti, I want to see you married with distinction. <laughs> <laughs> Except they don't because they want us yeah. to settle. There's the distinction. Exactly, exactly. You know, so they want to see us married. What mm-hmm. do they want? What do they think they will see? I don't know. I just, um, I, I don't know. 
What do they children. think? That going to oh my god! Yeah, five minutes after you're just popping out the babies. <laughs> um, I think for me, because I moved out at 17, and then I haven't lived with my parents again since. Like I didn't move back in with them or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't. They didn't like me living alone, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. sleeping in a bed alone. Uh, taking care of myself alone. What if I don't lock the door? What if someone breaks in? What if I? What if anyone knows that I live there alone? Mm-hmm. I think part of it when I was living alone, and this is specific because it doesn't, it doesn't count for people who live with their families until they're married, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I know that my parents were concerned about my safety, my health, my well-being. What if you need to go to the hospital? Who's going to take you? But here's the thing: I had laser eye surgery when I was living on my own. And I went and I stayed at, at one of my best friend's houses and she took the best care of me. Mm-hmm. Just she took such good care of me. She I woke her up at three in the morning, apparently, because I was hungry. And like <laughs> and like I could do that because I was with my friend. But people forget that you could reach out to yes. your social circle because that's considered vulnerable and shameful. You're not supposed to reach outside your family. So what a lot of parents want is to see your family extended and for you not to be living yeah friends do become like family yeah but that's not recognized in much of our culture Mm -hmm. i mean absolutely you're right it's it's not and the thing is like we have such an aversion to vulnerability but vulnerability is the best part of the human experience Mm -hmm. vulnerability is the most beautiful part of the human experience and it makes me so sad that as people, we have just shut it down. Mm-hmm. We're just like, no, wait, I think like if anything happened to either of you, like, like God forbid, like surgery or whatever, I would be there in a minute. Me too. To help. Absolutely. Because that's, yeah, that's friendship are. and friendship. That's friendship. Like, to us, I mean, look how long, you know, sometimes we don't talk to each other for months or years, but honestly, when, once we do, it feels like nothing's changed. It feels exactly. like no time we're, we're picking up where we left off. And honestly, like, you can't find that many friendships like this anymore. It's, it's true. true. Like, we, our friendship runs so deep that in, in like, the grand scheme of family, it goes beyond extended. There are some mm-hmm. people I 100% consider close enough to be family. Mm-hmm. And even, even when I was at Shui Fat, I considered the same. And I considered some of the boys to be my brothers, but I was yeah. being yelled at for sharing chips with them. So. <laughs> <laughs> no brothers either, guys. Oh, man. Um, basically, we we here's what we want. If, if you are of the more mature Middle Eastern generation... What we want is to be respected in the exact same way that our brothers and male cousins mm-hmm. and male friends are respected. We want our accomplishments recognized. We do want to be patted on the back. We do want to be called intelligent. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you want to throw in a beautiful here and there, go for it. But that's not what we're defined by. Uh, we don't want our accomplishments tied to the men we're with. I don't want to be asked every time I have a new opportunity if my husband is okay with it. Please assume that if I'm telling you that I'm doing it, that I have run it by my life partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Also, when did that apply for, to a guy? Like, what? When did they? When doesn't. did they say, "Hey, is your wife okay with this?" No, because she's not. Never, never, literally never. Ha- she has to. She has no say, no opinion. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, which, thankfully, not the case right. in my marriage. We run everything by one another because, again, mm-hmm. equal partnership. Um, and for younger Middle Eastern women, 
عقبال your degree عقبال your masters عقبال your career عقبال success in your hobbies عقبال success in your friendships and if you're interested in being married yes, at حبيلك. all عقبال when that feels yes. right عقبالك <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for everyone like we, I, the goal should be to be happy yeah. whatever that means for you We live in a hard world. It's really, really hard to and the be 20, happy. The 20s are just really confusing because there's so yes. much going on between graduation, figuring out, first of all, figuring out what you want to do for the rest of your life. Did anyone ever yes. think about that? I mean, yes, some people just know when they're younger and then some people it takes time for them. And just knowing yeah. Yeah. that in itself is stressful. And then figuring mm-hmm. out what your dream job is and whether or not you got it is also another thing. And then yeah. trying to manage this dating world of now there's like Tinder and all this crap happening where it's like, uh, how do you even find the right person with all like that going around? You know, it's like mm-hmm. just trying to deal with all these things in itself is stressful. So like no need to add more stress to someone's life by trying to, yes. comparing, by trying to compare them to someone else. Yeah. Shushu, you had a lot to say about the comparison. About the comparison? Yeah. Between? Um, comparing one woman to another. Oh, like yes. what that does to us. Yeah, no, it, it actually, um, it, it makes us resentful of each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so yep. in a world, in, so I'm speaking of being like, for example, in Abu Dhabi, in a, in a society where all I had were my girls who understood me, who I could tell anything to with no judgment. They were going out of their way to like try to get me to resent someone for achieving something before me. And if I had been the person to achieve it, they were trying to sow seeds of resentment on the other end. And it's like they're trying to break up this strong web we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it didn't yep. work, but the fact that we all have to <laughs> fight against that yeah. on top of everything else that we fight against as Arab women, it's exhausting. Yeah. They don't even want us to have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, y'all are all competition for all the men that are out there. So I can't be friends with you until I find me a man. Um, and then once I find me a man, you can't look at him. But besides that, we're all good, right? <laughs> and that's just not friendship. Like what they're what they no. want from us. That's just not friendship. That's not caring. That's not love. And if that's and and the thing is, it's almost like it's they think it is love and it's like a skewed definition. And if that's what they yeah. think that you are worth, then they shouldn't be saying arbatic at all because you're worth more than what they're hoping for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we are, despite not feeling very adult, we are adult women. Our amygdalas have fully formed, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so uh, please trust us to be doing what is best for us. And if we want help meeting someone, Yes, we'll ask. We'll let you know. (laughs) We will ask, but I think what people also need to recognize is that we have each other, other women our age, who understand. We are a different generation, and this is a changing world. We need each other. Also, like the whole time frame should change too, because I understand that back in the day, women didn't go to college women didn't have this like aspiration to become something at the time some did Mm -hmm. and some didn't have the opportunity so their Mm -hmm. uh, their fallback was to get married and be Mm -hmm. not be a burden on their family anymore but then this is this has changed 
This has changed. We are no longer burdens. And yes, we are, we are supporting longer. ourselves. We yes, are living ever. longer. So why did the time frame still remain the same? I mean, why aren't we changing this? Because it's about controlling women. Literally, it's about controlling women. And it's about... In Honest ones? Yes. We are changing this. I mean, yeah, but, no, but we're changing time. it in a painful, struggling yes. way. It's not, it it's not have, easy. Yes, it should have happened naturally through time. Like, but it, it didn't really need a discussion. It's like, oh, now women are graduating. They're trying to get their master's, maybe their PhD. Well, um, duh. If, if you're doing all this, it's, it's kind of hard to get married. And some women might actually be dating someone that they actually want to get married to, but they want to achieve their goals before they're ready to do that. Yep. Yeah, or they just um, don't yeah, Mike. Uh, yes. Mike and I got engaged when I was still in school, mm -hmm. but I went ahead and got a second degree anyway while we were yes. engaged um, because I didn't want to be married until both of those degrees were under my belt yeah. safely. Exactly. And that's the, the schedule is about controlling women and it's also about glorifying youth and women in that once we hit 30, we are still invisible, which is wild to me. Which because is so untrue. Yeah, there's, nothing, there's nothing more stable and vibrant and gorgeous than a woman in her 30s because she knows what she's about. Mm -hmm. and, and you, have your, amen. That, and you then, have your life figured out by then, hopefully. And if not, yeah. then you're still figuring yourself out. I mean, it's just... It, there shouldn't be a time frame for me at least and there shouldn't and if and if there is maybe it should be applied to a man as well why isn't a man at 26 expected to have found his love you know it's like <laughs> because Sada, he is sowing his wild oats and climbing the career ladder why aren't yes, you supporting and why him aren't we doing the same thing because we're women, and we are. because once we get old, we stop being attractive, and once we get old, we can we can't carry children anymore. And once we get old, according to who we stay youthful. I mean, please look at your mom, look at my mom, look at News mom. Okay, yeah. they. I, I mean, honestly, my mom still gets said like, "Oh my God, she looks like your sister. She looks like <laughs> she's thirty. I mean, and yeah. she's like. You know, it, it, it's just like women are just beautiful as they are, regardless what age, regardless how many children they've had or didn't have. It's like, please stop associating beauty with age. Yeah, literally. Respect us, fam. Just respect us. Oh my God, yes. we're human beings. That's the thing. Anytime, anytime <laughs> they, anytime we're just seen as like a number, we are not human beings in that person's eyes. And exactly. that's so alarming. Exactly. Ah. <sighs> What a this great thing. satisfying. It's very cathartic. <laughs> yes, it it's very cathartic. The next person who says arbatic to me is going to get punched. That's how hyped I am. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm recording my emotional labor so that I never have to repeat myself. Right? <laughs> right? There you go. Oh okay. Yeah. Let me take us into the outro. Outro. I can't speak. This is um, going to. Before you yes. do that, sorry, I do want to shout out a podcast really quickly that covered this topic as well. Um, the podcast is called Unsweetened and Unfiltered, and the episode that I am talking about was posted on November 6th, 2019, and it is called Double Standards, Dissecting the... Why can't I read? Dissecting the Fragility of... I'm sorry, it's scrolling through. Dissecting the Fragility of Our Reputations. And uh, that's a really, really, really good episode that covers many of similar topics, uh, 
a little bit differently than we did. So if you want to hear even more on this topic from even more amazing Arab women, um, go ahead and listen to and listen. <laughs> go ahead and listen to Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Yeah. Okay. This has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by Omar on Fiverr. His username is ch6k0r. Post-production is done by Noor's husband, Mike. So thank you, Omar and Mike. Thanks, guys. For more shenanigans, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Baba Pod. If you want to drop us a line, call us at 530-32-HADAM. That's 530-32-42-726. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't tell Baba. Love you, Shu. Love you, Noor. Love you, guys. Love you all. <laughs> love, love you. you. <laughs> don't mean to be a third wheel or anything. No, no, no. We also love you, love you so much. <laughs> and we love you all. Thank you. Thank you.